Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. Robotics solutions are top of mind for manufacturing and supply chain professionals looking to speed up their operations and augment their human workforce. And sometimes robotics are modeled after an arm. Sometimes they take different shapes. Uh, but overall, they're designed to pick and place or store product quickly and efficiently. It's these product handling robots that we're here to discuss today with Vince Martinelli, Head of Product and Marketing at Right Hand Robotics, and Marin Chakarov, CEO of Kindred Systems. Thanks for being with us today, Marin and Vince. We're talking about item handling robots in the supply chain. Vince, what makes them different from other solutions? We'll start with you. Well, as everyone I think knows by now, there are a lot of different robots one could use in the uh, warehouse. Mostly they either transport things or they transfer things. Uh, you can transport a pallet with an autonomous forklift. You can uh, transport cases of goods with various mobile robots, AMRs. Our robot specializes really in transferring things and particularly transferring individual products from an inventory tote into some outbound container carton or tote that's heading toward pack out and shipping in a warehouse. There's even transfer robots, not so different from ours, who might do depalletizing or parcel handling or whatever. But again, what we focus on is individual products, item handling, transferring from one tote to another in warehouse workflows. Now, just to be clear and make sure we're on the same page, when we say item handling robots, what I'm personally picturing are robotic hands that pick something up from one bin and place it in another bin. Yes, that's exactly the kind of thing we do. I'll just expand maybe a little more on what's different about these. So among the things that make an item handling or piece picking robot different is the degree to which it uses perception or cognitive skills to do the job, right? So none of us think too much when we uh, reach and pick something up uh, out of a tote, but even you know at home, off your desk or off a table. But it's really complex how your vision system processes the scene, how you distinguish one item from another, make a decision, how you need to pick it up when you want to grab it. That then creates a motion plan, where you put your hand, how your arm moves to get there. If you sit for a little while and pick things up on your desk, you realize uh, it's different every time. And so our robot is going to do millions of picks in a warehouse, millions of transfers, where no two are exactly the same end to end. This puts a high a degree of pressure on sort of the autonomous AI aspects of the system and how well you've integrated all the hardware and software components to do that job reliably, despite the fact that it's a little different every time. How about you, Marin? What are some you know unique problems that Kindred's technology is solving? Kindred Core or Autograsp is our proprietary AI-powered machine vision grasping manipulation technology that enables us to uh, perform the in this case, piece picking and sortation solution uh, that, that happens to be incredibly mundane and repetitive for humans to do. But what is separate and distinct that we're incredibly proud of is the fact that we've solved that for deformable items. Now, perhaps it's stating the obvious, but deformable hub items are almost infinitely more difficult to singulate. That is to say, machine vision, uh, that's, that's a... That's a, a, a sort of te tech way of 
describing what machine vision does and how, it, how in machine vision speak, items are perceived by the neural network as separate and distinct from others. Clearly a deformable item can, can fall and crumple in almost infinite number of permutations versus a, a rigid item. And so what separates us from the pack and what's a very strong competitive advantage for us with respect to others is, is the ability to singulate and then effectively manipulate deformable items such as merchandise polybags uh, with our customers. It almost comes to say a priori for us to, to admit or to share that we are able to handle, therefore, uh, a variety of rigid items as well. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm thinking back to some of my friends who just had children and one of them is just over a year old and he still has a bit of trouble picking things up. So it makes total sense that it would be difficult for a machine to learn as well. Yeah, there's, you know, an element of learning in, in these robots that is not so dissimilar from watching a, a toddler, I mean, a toddler, infant toddler, you know, learn how to grab things and pick them up and move them around. The other thing about our system, we don't have to know ahead of time uh, what the items are. So earlier we talked about how people or children, you know, uh, uh, infants learn how to pick things up. They make some quick assumptions about the rough weight of the thing and whether whether you see the whole item or maybe some of it's hidden and buried if there's a pile, right? So, you know, it's important uh, to, to have your machine learn how to pick where it isn't 100% certain the size, shape, the type of the item and so on. Plus in retail, they change, the products change regularly. You know, new products are introduced, packaging on older products changes. So you can't count on your knowledge of exactly what the item is to pick really well if there's again 100,000 SKUs or more and they're changing over from time to time. So our system needs no uh, prior knowledge of the item. It doesn't need to be trained on every product or uh, we say it's model free. Uh, and that's really important to these customers as well. They, they don't have to stop and teach all the robots something new if they add a few more products. You know, uh, the person has more processing capability and integrated sensing and all kinds of things. But we built a game up a few years ago where we take teams of three people, try to pick out a toast. We blindfold one person and they give them a kind of a poor gripper, like some tongs, metal tongs. And then we have one person be the vision system who will point at items in the tote. And another person is the uh, sort of the motion planning and the brains of the system. They try to coach the blindfolded person with the tongue how to move to pick the items up. So when you build these robot systems, it's, it's basically what you're doing is putting together the vision, the uh, mechanical gripper apparatus and the arm and the brain or planning and, and, and that does it to execute in one shot. And the teams of people who try this for the first time fare more poorly than the robot because uh, this is a new way of working, right? So when you disaggregate those systems that are normally built together in a person, uh, the machine performance really drops off. So anyways, we integrate all those pieces together and, and we like to say we're, you know, we're responsible for the pick and the warehouse, the transfer. So we own the pick. So the people building the other systems and running the warehouse don't have to worry about it. That sounds amazing <laughs> and an excellent way to teach people how you know, all the systems have to work together to accomplish something that we do every day, but don't even think of. So what are some of the main problems that item handling robots are solving in the material handling space uh, today? Uh, let's start with you first, Vince. Well, the current state in, you know, warehousing and logistics and so on, I can sum up in a few simple phrases, pandemic, supply chain challenges, the great resignation <laughs> and robots, right? So you know, these trends are every day. You see all of this in the news and what's the impact. You know, certainly the uh, pandemic has driven a lot more uh, online ordering. You know, just stunning shift. Uh, but, you know, 
if people feel uh, concerned or at times it's been unsafe maybe to go into certain stores and so on, it's your option. You want to keep the goods flowing, right? Uh, so I think uh, worldwide, there's a need to keep the flow of goods moving, right? And so, you know, near term, that's caused different ways that companies are dealing with it. Again, overnight, you can't go from a fully manual warehouse to 100% automated. It takes a bit of time. But boy, it really has piqued the interest and in some projects and activities have moved faster. Certainly, you see huge levels of investment in this space because in the slightly longer term, I think there's a huge belief that the robots are a big part of the solution across multiple industries. For example, we do projects from the pharma supply chain, the retail side, pharma and medical. Uh, the, the goods are regular sort of shapes and of a size that it's, uh, you know, we can pick almost everything in, in those warehouses. It's great. E-commerce in general is another area, even though, yes, you can buy a bicycle online and get it shipped to your house and we don't pick those. That's a small percentage of the goods that are moving through the chain there. So our robot can uh, handle a fair amount of the load. And uh, groceries, another one, you know, it's emerging as a, more of an online business. People have to figure out not just the automation of the warehouse, but the last mile or, or the deliver to the curb, whichever, uh, and how to do that and still make money. On that one, we like to say, you know, we can get the item out of the tote into the bag. We can handle the first three feet of the last mile. And the other 5,277, uh, unfortunately, the grocer has to solve. But those are some of the areas where we see this capability really making a difference in the near term in some ways. But again, in the, in the slightly longer term, uh, because the technology is ready to ramp up, you know, this is going to be a big, uh, big story for a while. And what trends have you noticed shaping the industry, Marin, in terms of the pandemic and e-commerce? I'll start pre-COVID, you know, with the uh, increasing proportion, sort of consistently increasing proportion of e-commerce as, as it relates to total commerce, brick and mortar. You know, many of our customers have simply um, struggled in finding enough people to do these mundane, repetitive types of tasks. And of course, it's worth mentioning that uh, the pandemic has done, uh, has been a massive catalyst to these trends and certainly has set uh, the, the the vectors of change with respect to e-commerce vis-a-vis brick and mortar on a different on a different paradigm and in a, in a very different much steeper curve and uh, and such trends wise what we're seeing more and more of is this flattening of the surges what, what are called peaks and so the peak of peaks which would be you know uh, Black Friday and the holidays uh, to follow you know, yes, that that continues to be a massive event in terms of shopping and, be, and consumer behavior. But there's there's many other what what we now endearingly call mini peaks that that are that are being spread out throughout the year, especially with um, with the growth as a proportion of e-commerce to overall to overall commerce and business. We're incredibly proud with respect to the system that we've developed. As I shared, it's over 99% autonomous within the function that it performs, which is to singulate and effectively manipulate, um, you know, merchandise for our customers. Uh, we still, of course, need humans in the loop, not only in terms of monitoring uh, the robotic fleet, but also offloading the robots. So instead of a human standing for eight hours a day, performing these mundane, highly repetitive tasks themselves in front of what's typically known as a football or a sortation, uh, well, that, that, that human is now 
supervising up to three or four robots that are doing that mundane, repetitive task. And so they work collaboratively uh, with those robots rather than performing those specific functions and that and, and repetitive tasks themselves. What we're seeing today is is many of these vectors continuing on, and these trends keep having uh, becoming becoming more permanent or having certain permanence to them in a way of of how things are evolving in a marketplace um, and, and and all the aspects to do with uh, with these uh, with these trends like social distancing safer uh, uh, you, you know work environment and, and such is, is certainly a, an aspect that that we feel is is going to be here to stay and this advent that I just spoke about that that basically puts the human in charge of uh, supervising robotic systems in collaboration uh, is is has been a has been a, a wonderful uptick not only from uh, quality of life quality of work um, perspective but also from from a an efficiency and throughput perspective and therefore value add for our customers it's fascinating what we have in a way of that collaborative environment with our customers with many of our customer sites where those customer associates actually anthropomorphize the robots they work with, they name them, they, they, they're, they're basically having these friendly competitions uh, amongst themselves with basically saying, look, these are my robots and let's, you know, my robots sorted X percent more than your robots did in that time frame in our shift and, and such. And so it's a, it's a wonderful new way for a human and machine to interact um, in, in, this, in this current era of ours. Okay, Marin's covered a lot of ground in retail already. So let's focus on pharmacy and grocery for this next question, because I think we can all agree that there's been a lot of growth in those two areas. What are some of the more common innovations that you've seen in picking robots in those areas, Vince? We talk about our uh, gripper as uh, it's kind of multifunction. It has suction capability, which helps get the item sort of out of the pile. If you picture how items are stored in inventory totes, you know, they're sort of loosely in there. If I look down into that tote, we will see, you know, some uh, top, topography, I guess is the word of, you know, things. And we start to distinguish, oh, this is where one ends and the other starts, right? So the robot does this process and, and then it has to decide how to pick the item, right? And the suction lets you kind of get the item out of the pile a little bit. And then we have these fingers uh, that are, you know, a polymeric material. So they're gentle and soft and they have what we call compliance is kind of the technical term. They, they can actually roll and form a little bit around the item. We don't squeeze the item tight at all. In fact, we're, we're very gentle with it. The fingers generally cradle the item, making it uh, so you maintain the suction throughout the travel with the item. So, you know, you want to move fast with the item. If anybody who's played with suction cups growing up as a kid, you know, if you lose the suction, the things fall off the window or whatever, you know, if you're putting something up on a window as a kid. But uh, same thing in the, in the warehouse. If you're moving fast and the suction comes uh, off a little bit from the item, you know, the item may uh, not hit the target, may go flying. So the fingers help stabilize the load and make it so we can move fast and also with items that are irregular shapes and, you know, bags for in boxes of all different types. So, you know, uh, that is really uh, valuable in those industries where, you know, at the end of the uh, chain in pharma, it's really important that you get the right products into the box. And, and, and even in grocery, maybe it's not uh, a prescription or medicine, but even so, customers order something, they expect the right items in the box. And if you drop one somewhere and somehow the system doesn't realize it, 
and the warehouse system doesn't realize it, if you're counting on the robot to do it right, obviously that would be a mistake in the order, which is just unacceptable. So anyways, design of the gripper and actually how it's sensing an awareness of control of the item. Did I succeed in the task? You know, all of these things sort of combine together to solve the needs in uh, uh, pharma and uh, grocery in particular. And, you know, an interesting thing with robots, if, if any of us uh, are working in, a, in, a, in the warehouse, if we make a mistake or see a problem, there's generally on the uh, HMI um, or the UI at our workstation, we can hit a button that says problem, or we could say, hey, something went wrong, or I dropped an item, or one was broken. But the robots are capturing a lot more data all the time. And, you know, you can go back and look at a picture of what the situation was, or maybe a video, um, and there's kind of timestamp logs of much more granular detail than with people. So in pharma, this is important because if you wonder about the um, uh, sort of the uh, pedigree of this item and how it was handled through the building, you know, you have a, a record that's generated with robots at every step. It's a little harder to replicate with people. You know, I can see how people wouldn't be comfortable being constantly recorded at work, but at the same time, I understand the need for inventory control, especially with pharmaceuticals. But I suppose a robot wouldn't know or or even care about being recorded and can even record itself. I can certainly see that appeal. Yeah, the robot does not care if it's on video. And, and again, it's capturing information and data and all the time, which again, on our side as the vendor of this technology, we can feed that back into product improvements whether it's directly through like a machine learning pipeline into the AI or, you know, even other attributes of the system. We learn by all the data. Excellent. Now, do you have any recommendations that you can share on how to determine if a robot is right for an operation? The way we look at it is first off, I, I, I think if you're saying or picking robots useful for your operation, that, that generally means you already have a lot of people doing this task. It, again, it's just picking from the inventory to the order uh, container. And um, what we see is that it's not a, a fun job. It's not a job people aspire to. As soon as there's a better job in the warehouse, people opt into that. But because of all those reasons, you know, attrition tends to be a bit high, uh, uh, just absenteeism and things and so on, it's a problem. So if that sounds like your warehouse, then maybe a picking robot is part of the answer. Now, Item set is probably the next filter. If you are selling uh, camping goods in, you know, tents and kayaks and, <laughs> you know, I don't know, things like that, uh, there may be some robot that picks that, but that's certainly not our sweet spot. And honestly, I'm not aware of any system that's great for that. Uh, flat screen TVs, another one. You know, these are things that one or two people have to lift and move and pack as well. But when you start to get into normal, uh, uh, quote unquote, normal, but, you know, smaller everyday items, everyday consumer packaged goods, you know, shampoos and uh, uh, vitamins and, uh, you know, diapers and whatever, all kinds of things that you could generally pick up with one hand yourself. Now you're looking at a place where picking robots like ours really could make a lot of sense for you. So uh, those are kind of the first few steps in the process to where, oh, if that's your problem, you're having a hard time uh, staffing those roles and you absolutely need them, you know, in the warehouse, the highly automated uh, inventory systems, ASRS systems, they're great, except, you know, the tote generally doesn't, after the inventory is picked, the, uh, the tote goes back into the system. So you've got all these downstream steps of, you know, picking and, and packing and so on. And so there's always this little transfer step, get the item out of that tote into something else. So uh, the robot is just a natural fit. Uh, we work with quite a few partners there. Uh, we mentioned Element Logic as an auto store integrator. And, and again, auto stores, you know, want uh, a leading 
ASRS type of system. So it's one we're pretty familiar with and uh, collaborate there. But there's also others uh, from other major uh, companies. And actually a growing list. That's one thing about grocery. I think it's sparked a wave of new ASRS systems of all types. So again, for us, that's wonderful because we look and say every one of those ASRS picking ports where, you know, is an opportunity for our robot. So we hope to talk to more people about that as time goes on. That there is some solid advice, Vince. Thanks for sharing. And thank you for joining us for this episode of MHI Cast featuring Vince Martinelli of Right Hand Robotics and Marin Chakarov of Kindred. And thank you, Marin and Vince, for joining us. You can find these two companies and other robotic solutions at Modex in Atlanta. It happens March 28th to the 31st. Don't miss out on your chance to see solutions live for your very own supply chain. So register now for free admission or go to modexshow.com. Here at MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to that next level of success. So thank you for making us a part of your professional development journey.